You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos. I hate calling myself that. And underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Welcome to another episode of Delirious Nomads, the show brought to you by myself and my partner, Matt Bacon, in partnership with Blacklight Media Records and Metal Blade Records. We're having a lot of fun doing these. We've done about 20, 22, Matt, something like that. 22. Today's a real fun one. Good friends, Mark Gaffney or Gaff from Gozu, uh, one of the first bands signed to Blacklight Media um, and the first band I ever was able to sign based on seeing them live and not having heard them first. Usually I hear bands first through a streaming website or whatever, iTunes, um, but I had not heard Gozu, and I went to go see another band. Gozu was opening. They blew me away within, by probably the third song, I was live FaceTiming with Brian Slagle of Metal Blade, like, check these guys out. I think I kind of wobbled up to you a little drunk and was like, I have a record label. <laughs> I signed. And uh, the rest is history. You guys have uh, delivered a fantastic, amazing record to us. We are excited that you're writing new material for the follow-up. Anyway, everyone, this is uh, Gaff from Gozu. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah. Honor and pleasure. Gaff, does anyone ever call you Mark? Very rarely. <laughs> I was going to say. I mean, even like teachers in high school and college all refer to me as Gaffs. That's what I thought. You... Every once in a while. And it's odd. I forget who they're talking to. And then, I, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm Mark. So, yeah, very rarely. Though. That's like when people know my real last name. And I'm like, ah, yes. Sometimes people who know your first name call you by a different name, if you remember. But yeah. <laughs> um, so usually I'm pretty good at preparing notes for these podcasts and I have a bunch of interesting questions to ask. I prepared nothing for you. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Obviously the pandemic was slash is still going on. Um, but I know the last time we talked offline privately, you, got, you were working on a bunch of material and you had a bunch of material, but that was probably, that was probably a month ago that we had that conversation if not longer. So what's happening? So we are actually right now, um, we've been trying out drummers. And uh, so we have a, a gentleman coming down tonight who I think is absolutely spectacular. Um, in terms of writing, yeah, this is probably the most I have written. And I know Doug has, you know, has written in a while. I think, uh, you know, during COVID, I was able to take uh, a few lessons with Chris Broderick. And that kind of changed my whole thought process on what I hear. Um, you know, the way my hands were working as opposed to the way that they work now. 
Um, so I feel that my writing has gotten a million times better and my guitar playing especially has gotten way better over this uh, period of <laughs> insanity, shall we say. Um, so, you know, I, I, I tried to use it as a positive form not to wallow in, uh, in what could be, you know what I mean? So I, I looked at it musically as to kind of hone my chops and, and, and to kind of decide, you know, eternally, like, what do I want to do? What am I going to shoot for? So I'm really happy about what I've written and, and how it's come out. Nice. And on the drummer front, how many people have you seen already? Yeah, so, so yeah, we've seen a few. The guy tonight, I'm hoping, he's probably the best drummer that I've played with, and I've played with umpteen drummers. Um, there's something about when you sit down with someone and they know, and, you know, they've rehearsed the songs and they count them out and they're the ones who's like, okay, now we're going to play this. That's when you know things are pretty okay. And then when they groove uh, and you lock in with them and you're doing accents, that's when I was like, okay, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to get down there Wednesday. <laughs> you know, I'm excited to get down there tonight. So just, in, you know, because of, I think, you know, especially all of our background, especially from like a soul music view, you know what I mean? From uh, even if you're thinking of like where the song can take you, I think having someone that can swing, but also that hits, you know, so hard that you feel it, you know, right in your chest. That mm -hmm. that that's what you know. We've been really lucky to have that. But there's something about this guy. He he reminds me really, you know, very much of JP from Clutch. He has that sort of swing that. Yeah. From from the first two notes, I was like, I literally felt like, okay, I might have to take a shower. Like this feels so <laughs> good. You know. What I mean? It was it was great and and uh, yeah so you know the, I think going you know only like really really positive things can happen from this so uh, I'm excited and it takes me a ton to get me like over the top about certain things but literally from the first like double bass kick this did did I was like ooh I like so, is the whole band getting together with him tonight or yep, just you yep yep the whole band. That's great. Yeah. So, so tonight, all of us will, uh, you know, he'll get in a room with us and, and see what he what he thinks. There'll be a lot of hair. Um, so, uh, you know, but <laughs> doesn't know much about that. No, I don't. I don't. What are you gonna do? Well, <laughs> actually, I need a shave. Actually, I, but uh, so yeah, so we're excited. So, uh, you know, everyone has taken it. You know, I think to the next level in their playing ability and writing ability, and we're just excited. To really, you know, to, to get everything moving. Yeah, I know how much you guys love to play live. So even yeah. probably being in a room to rehearse must be cathartic in a way, right? Yeah, it's for me, it's 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 the one place where I feel 100% comfortable. So not having been able to do it for so long has been a bit rough. So that's why, you know, I, I've turned myself to like working out, playing guitar or writing, because there was a period where I was just like, what am I going to do? You know, I'm so used to this, you know what I mean? So, and, and, you know, also too, not seeing, you know, live music has been really hard because you look for that inspiration that you would get, you know, from seeing certain bands, you know, being able to watch from the side of the stage and just, you know, feeling like the sounds coming out, you know, of an 810 or like a Marshall stack where you're just like, this is amazing. Like, this is why I do it. So it's, it's really been kind of, you know, a, a time of like retrospective and, it just, you know, trying to plan out what I want to do and what I don't want to do and really trying to write in a different vein. So, I, yeah, I could not be more excited than, 
then, you know, to be able to get in a room with, with four guys again and just turn up and just let it go. What happened when the, when the pandemic started in March of 2020, were you on, were you, were you out playing or had you wrapped up the tour already? I can't remember. We had wrapped up our, our European tour and we were getting ready. We had some great shows lined up and we had a couple of festivals and I just went, you know, yeah. in a blink of an eye, like goodbye. You remember the last show you played? Yeah, it was December 29th, 2019 at O'Brien's. It was for Grub, Sweat, and Beers. I totally, re- I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember that flyer. Yep. That's the last show. And then, and then you know, we rehearsed and such. And then literally, you know, we rehearsed and the next week, everything was shut down. And, and the crazy thing was, is a week before we had moved into a brand new rehearsal you know, spot, completely brand new, set everything up. And literally the next week, doors were locked. It was brutal, shall we say. Realistically, when do you think you you would ideally like to see a record come out and get back to it? So we're going to hit it as, as hard as humanly possible. And, you know, we, we'd love to. So it's, yeah, geez, it's September 1st. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd love to, in, in, I don't know, three or four months, you know, really get in. You know, granted, everything goes well with, with drummer and such. We'd love to just hammer, hammer, hammer away and, you know, put out an album, obviously, you know, with the way everything goes in 2022 and do a, you know, a European and United States tour, you know, around that. For, for us, I mean, that's our favorite thing to do. I mean, everything else is terrible to say. It kind of fails in comparison. There's nothing better than, you know, putting that headphone on or, you know, looking out and seeing people, you know, so it, it's needed just just for. Uh, you know, a, a gracious balance, shall we say, of life. So you and I have been talking, you know, a good amount over the pandemic. And one of the things I sort of wanted to talk to you about was the direction of the new music. Because what's interesting is, you know, you've been speaking to me about these Chris Broderick lessons for like over a year at this point, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, and then obviously what's kind of interesting with Gozu is that you and Doug have very different sensibilities as players. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. So what's sort of the direction of this new record? Definitely heavier, uh, to be very, very honest. I, 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 think it, I think it's going to be a very full album. I, I think it, it'll be full, but, but, but there will be that interplay, you know, where, where there's the breathier style. But mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be heavier. I mean, that, that's going to be hands down. Um, I, I, I think this one, the guitars will be absolutely crushing just based on what Doug and I have been doing and, and based on how, you know, we usually interact because yeah, his way of playing is could not be more night and day from mine. His tone is way different than mine, but I think that's the one thing that he and I vibe off each other. It's, I mean, we played together for so long. It just lends itself to coming together and Joe, you know, his ear and his capability on bass is spectacular because his low end is so groovy but it really ties in, you know, what, what Douglas and I do. And then now, you know, we, we've been so fortunate to play with great drummers. So, you know, whoever is sitting at that helm, you know, we want someone that, that is just going to destroy, just hit as hard as they can, but also have that semblance that you know where the one is, you know what I mean? And, and, and you can find that groove. When you're playing, you, you, you want it to feel like there's like a whole making love aspect to it. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't want to like not find your way. So you want that stream to to literally be heavy, but also a bit sensitive. You know what I mean? So that's our thought process. It, it's it's going to be heavier. That I can guarantee you. 
with, with tons of melody. Nice. How'd you meet Doug? Oh, so I played in a band called Sweet Mama Thunder and Doug played in a band called Super Honey. They're both like, mine was a seven piece soul band. Doug's Super Honey was amazing. They, they, they were like one of the best bands around. They would play like with the meters, bands like that. So we had played it together a bunch and just started chatting. And then he and I formed a band. Gosh, this was, I mean, I've known Doug now for 25 years. What kind of music were you playing pre-Gozu? D'Angelo type stuff, Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. And then and then the band that Doug and I uh, were in, uh, Dean Joss was a drummer. He's probably one of my favorite drummers. You know, we had a stand-up bass player. We also had a, a DJ for a stint. Um, that was like, that was like, like Radiohead type stuff. This is not the origin story I expected. Very Jeff Buckley-esque. You know what I mean? Like Elliot Smith. But he and I had always loved, you know, like Queens of the Stone Age, Sabbath. Um, you know, I loved like Caius, Clutch, you know, bands like that. But still, you know, and then Almond Brothers and, and different bands. So, uh, but we, we had always, you know, chatted about heavy music, just our love for heavy music. Heavy music that hence it was also melodic. I mean, I was a huge High and Fire Sleep fan and so was he. And then Joe, the same thing, you know what I mean? When we're on tour, yeah, usually, you know, we'll listen to anything from Joni Mitchell to MF Doom to to whatever, you know what I mean, to Fugazi to, it's, it's always, you know, different stuff. So we definitely try to, you know, to bring in all those musical uh, inspirations. And, uh, you know, I've always felt like trying to do like, if Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young met like the Melvins, you know what I mean? So that's one thing we always strive for is to have it heavy, but also with a melodic, you know, something that you can kind of hang your hat on. But yeah, so I've known Doug for incredibly, incredibly long. I was always amazed, like how he could play up so high with, with a yeah. bra, you know what I mean? He would have a cigarette going, you know what I mean? Hat tilted to the side. I was like, who is this character? <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we just started, we just started chatting and, uh, and it hit, it clicked, it clicked. He's a pure musician. He's a musician's musician, that kid. So what's triggered, what triggered sort of the, the pivot from Earth, Wind & Fire, D'Angelo, I guess you would call that soul, basically. To Gozu? Yeah, to, yeah, to Gozu, yeah. Just wanting to play that, you know, just, I mean, we, we had listened to it so long. And, and, you know, when we would rehearse, we would, you know, we'd always play heavy stuff, just he and I. Just, just for fun. Oh, walls of fuzz pedals, you know what I mean? Yeah, just jump. And we would always have riffs. And so one day we were like, what, you know, why don't we, like, Let's just take this to the next, you know, equation. And it's been the funnest stuff I've done <laughs> way more than the other stuff, to be honest with you. Do you ever ask him why he plays guitar in the way he does? I, yeah. So it's, it's just the way that he learned, especially going to Berkeley and being such like, like a jazz guy. He just found it very easy. He just started at an early age doing that. And it just has always, always stuck. I mean, he's always played that, you know, that high. His right hand is so quick that, you know, and plus, when he was doing all the super honey stuff, you know, uh, he, it was it was very kind of Tom Morello-ish in some of the stuff that he would do. So I think he would play that high. And and, and I also think, you know, no one else pretty much did that. And, I, you know, for him, I think, you know, it also kind of holds his neck in so he doesn't break his neck. You know what I mean? The guitar is kind of his neck. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I also think it's kind of it's kind of a, used as a brace. I couldn't play that high. Let me just throw that out there at you. I never put two and two together on that because like Tosin Abasi or someone like that definitely plays up here. Yeah. But I never, and I knew he was like the, 
musician's musician in the band, but for some reason I didn't put all that together. He, he always has. It's just, you know, it's a comfort thing with him. And it doesn't matter, you know, what sort of guitar. It's just always up that high. And, you know, and he just completely demolishes it. He's pretty effortless <laughs> when you watch him play. And, you know, and he's moving too. Even when in rehearsal, he rehearses as hard as he does when he plays live. Like there are times I look over and I'm afraid like he's, he's going to hurt himself. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's always 100%. There's never like do it just to do it. You know what I mean? It's literally 100% or, you know, in his mind, it's like, well, why am I, why am I rehearsing if I'm not going to, you know, tear this up? And did you always sing in your previous bands? Yeah. The, the, the first band I was in in college, though, I, I played guitar and I would do like background vocals. That was all like, you know, Dylan stuff. Or like crouchy, like deep, like you know, deep cuts, things like that. Awesome. So it was just the two of us. And then I started singing, I think like my junior year in this band I was in called Greenleaf. And uh and that was, you know, a lot of that was like original stuff, but uh, you know, also like all my brothers asked. And then my senior year in college, I was in a band with two drummers, two guitar players. And then I started like writing a lot of original material. But also, you know, we would play like Something About You by Level 42. We'd play Beginnings by Chicago. You know, we used to play like Hendrix stuff. And but majority of that, you know, was originals we would play too. So I just, I always enjoyed playing stuff that I wrote. I mean, you know, there's stuff, you know, I love to cover and things like that. But, you know, I'm not like trained or, you know, I, I couldn't tell you the difference between, you know, a, a C chord and a C minor. I, I don't know any of that stuff. I'm pretty lucky that I can put my hands on there. And, 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 you know, they're able to do stuff. So, you know, when I write a song, I say, okay, uh, you know, Doug, put your hand on the seventh fret. You know what I mean? And go, okay, seven, nine to whatever. And, and it just works. You know what I mean? Like, I have no idea what I'm playing, unfortunately. One day I will, but I just have been lucky that something comes in my head and I can put it, you know, to the guitar and record it and send it to him. How different is your voice with Gozu as opposed to when you were doing other stuff? A lot of stuff is very similar, to be honest with you. I mean, it's 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 definitely stronger now because of that. In the past, I'd say maybe a couple of years, I started doing like some stretches and things. That's only because my daughter did like stuff at a performing art. So I literally would have to beg her, like, can you show me like what I can do so I'm not just getting up before? And and, and so, you know, I've learned like some stretches and some vocal warm ups. So I, I think it's stronger now than it was when I was in my 20s, to be honest with you. Which is interesting. I just I take better, you know, better care of it, shall we say, than I did many moons ago. How old's your daughter now? So my daughter is eighteen. She she starts college on uh, Sunday. Whoa. Yeah, and then my son is thirteen. He just started seventh grade the other day. But yeah, you know, the, the music thing for them, like, I think because they're used to it. Because you know, I mean, they were born into me, you know, going on tour and playing music. But my daughter's burning. I mean, her, her voice is insane. Oh yeah. I'll listen to stuff she does. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's it's like power, power, power stuff, you know. Were you like jamming with her and teaching her when she was little? So we would sing, yeah, like you know, like she'd probably be perturbed right now, you know, that I'm saying this, but like she would listen to like you know Wilco with me and like Neil Young and like a lot of like '70s stuff, you know what I mean? And and yeah, you know, her, her sense of her sense of groove is really happening. I remember like coming home one day and I had bought her this little drum kit. I remember she was just like upstairs hitting it. And, and, and I remember I had come back from tour. And all of a sudden, I, you know, she's up there hitting it going, you're no good, you're no good. You're no... <laughs> I was like, so yeah. And then, uh, and then you know, I, I would play her tunes. Just, you know, so sometimes, you know, she'd be on this little kit 
and, and, and I would, you know, just be like, hey, can you just do, you know, she would just, and so, yeah, and, and I would like play along and, and she would sing, you know, we, we'd sing like Neil Young tunes or, uh, you know, stuff off like, um, like Summer Teeth with Wilco. And, and it was great, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, we would, like her and I would listen to music all the time. We'd listen to like the White Album all the time. And then, you know, before she would go to bed, you know, we'd sing stuff like Golden Slummers and everything. She, she would flip out if, you know, she heard me say this. But yeah, and then, uh, so it, it's always been like, I, I'll, I'll watch her sing and it's still, I, I get like ultra excited being like, wow, that, that kid can, uh, you know, now she's 18. Her, her voice is just really, really powerful. Um, you know, and, and even, you know what I mean? I'll walk by and she's singing and, and I'll like double take, you know what I mean? She's just one of those, she's natural, you know, she took lessons and things like that. But, you know, way before that, she just, you know, she was like, she's way, you know, like singing stuff from like, you know, Annie or, or you know, Les Mis, things like that. So she she's always been in, into music. But then she was like way into Queen and everything from her, you know, and I listening. And then my son is like a hip hop head through and through, you know what I mean? Down to the Jordan ones, you know, to the... Tupac t-shirt he, but but he too would like he and I would listen to like Tom Jones you know not Tom Jones but Tom Waits I do like Tom Jones <laughs> so we listen to that and then uh but then you know we listen to like uh you know High and Fire and Sleep together but now you know he's 13 like God forbid you listen to what dad listens to like we get in the car and I'd be like this is an hour ride you want to listen to Dope Smoker he'd be like yeah I do now God forbid right now if I put that in with his buddies uh, you know I'd get spoken to like like I was a a young kid after, but you can't play that. You know, when my boys are in the car, I apologize. You can walk next time. <laughs> Did you do a lot of any uh, touring previous to go to, or were you mostly stay local with the other projects? Yeah, yeah. No, we used to play like, um, you know, we do New York, you know, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Rhode Island, uh, you know, those areas. And then the one band I was in, yeah, you know, we'd go all, all over the place, you know. So yeah, I mean, we played Nam. You know, we would play in Georgia, we play in, you know, Tennessee, you know, we, yeah, we take off for like two weeks and just play, play, play. You know, we played University of Florida right on the campus, which was amazing. It was like a week before, you know, they started school, you had these monster football players, like literally taking kegs and just tossing them over a fence. It's like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, there was, and it was like seven of us and they'd be like, huh? They'd always be, you know, they'd come in and see us and be like, yeah, I didn't expect, you know, that kind of music from you guys. Like, oh, I never heard that one before. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, thank you. So, uh, yeah, but 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 nothing like we do in those. How do you balance, you know, being on tour and obviously wanting to be home with your kids and watch them grow up? Yeah, you know, so so anytime, like, I'm going on tour or anything like that, you know, it, it's always known, like, way in advance. Um, so it's not like just, oh, dad was gone for three weeks. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, you know, from when they were really young, just having that discussion, like, you know, I'm going to be in Europe for, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, and so now it, it, by doing that and setting up, you know, they would just, you know, they would understand. But when I am on, you know, tour, like I, you know, we text, you know, I mean, with them and, and speak or so th there's still, you know, that constant contact because my son will be like, this happened, you know, or like, you know, there's times when he's had a game or something. So, you know, he'll shoot me about what happened, you know what I mean? Um, just to give me kind of a play-by-play. -play. So, you know, I, I might be in like Germany or something, but, but he and I, you know, we'll still chat. And my wife is just used to it, you know what I mean? Because 
even before, obviously, we were married, you know, I was playing music all the time. So it's just one of those things that just through like healthy conversation, you know, what I mean, just letting them know, just laying it all out on the table, be like, this is what that does. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm going to be doing this. And, and then, you know, also with, you know, with working. So it's, it's just letting them know, you know, really in advance. And also they know that I love doing it. So, you know, they wouldn't be like, well, I don't think you should do that. They're like, good. Yeah, you know, Because right. when I get back, I'm in a great mood. So, <laughs> so they're probably like, please, you know, let this guy get out of the house and tour again before he drives us completely insane. <laughs> Is the last time I saw you perform live the time that you all crashed on my floor in my apartment? No, so we played at Lucky Thirteen. Yeah, right the before showcase. we went to Europe. Yep, and your boy from uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra was there. The Sabbath fan, the guitar player. Yeah, Angus. Oh yeah, Angus. Angus Clark. Yeah, yep. yeah. Right. That was the last time. Yeah. Shows us such a distant memory. I can't remember anything. I mean, that was October two thousand nineteen. I mean, that's insane. That, that was. So it's like a few years next month. Crazy. I think about that because we have a lot of really good photos from that night that I've been running. Yeah consistently uh that my boy dante torrieri took and i definitely think back to that as like oh wow things were good yeah yeah you know what i mean like oh this was life was fun i felt happy Uh, it'll get back there though it will how do you feel about where we're at now i mean do you think that it's do you agree that venues are opening up and doing concerts and or do you think we should be waiting a little bit longer i i'm under the assumption like people just get back you know what i mean like I was bummed out, you know, for the news of last week, you know, when he passed away. I mean, what people want to do is, is obviously it's way up to them. You know, what I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely not someone that should ever tell someone what to do. I don't know, you know. Um, I, I try not to. I mean, I used to be someone that would read the news all the time. I find though, I read it now, and I'm just like, what? Jeez, you know, um, you know, it was going so good, so good, so good, and now we're starting to see kind of a funky, uh, you know, dissension, shall we say? So I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I was went out to eat the other day and everyone had masks on. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I have to move my daughter into school. Like, we all have to wear masks and such. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, things start to tick up. But it's, it's hard. You know, you, you get in this, you know, you get into this positivity where you're like, okay, this is going to go. This is going to go. And then you read the cult just canceled their tour, you know what I mean? Or this other band just canceled their tour. And, you know, there's a lot of bands now that you have to show your test. So it, it, it's weird that, you know, people really love it or, 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 you know, some of the comments I'll read, you know, sometimes I'm just like, Jesus, like, what's going on? So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, it kind of changes, you know, daily with, with, <laughs> with, you know, you'll see something happen and then, you, and then two days later, it's like, okay, this is canceled or this is canceled. I mean, I, I think right now it's just kind of waiting it out and see, you know what I mean, um, which is terrible to say, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be as positive as humanly possible. Um, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, I, I didn't, I guess the easiest way, I didn't think we'd, in September right now, we would be where we are, I guess, you know what I mean? I thought everything was, you know, was, was going to be going. I mean, obviously I didn't think everything would be back to, to, to the normal status per se. But I, I didn't think we, we'd start to see a tick down again, I guess. I mean, have you seen that, Chris, in, in, in you know, your restaurants and venues and such? Or? It's very similar to what you described. You know, we kind of opened everything back up and things seem to be doing well. And I mean, people are coming in to eat, but people are not coming into work. We're having a really hard time finding staff 
really makes it difficult to do what we do shorthanded everywhere. You know, it's September. I'm hoping people are going to start coming back out, but right now it's a little bit tight. Uh, like in, in LA, we're only open four nights and for and Sunday brunch. You know, we'd like to be open seven nights and Sunday brunch. We just don't have the staff for it, you know? Yeah. But anyway, let's forget all this depressing stuff. So if you, in barring your own headlining tour, um, if you could put together a dream package where there's two or three other bands besides you, besides you, who is it? Yeah. So number one, if we could play with Sleep, I would absolutely adore that. And then I also like to tour with Queens of Stone Age, even if it was just Josh on his own, I would. But but that that for me like would be the ultimate, you know. If, if I could ever and Clutch, you know, Clutch would it, Clutch would be close to that. I mean, I adore that you know that band like there's no tomorrow. Um, yeah, I mean, if I could, you know, if I could put a bill, like, you know, we open up for clutch, <laughs> you know, because it's sleep, you know, I, I'd be quite a happy guy, shall we say. Yeah, I would, I would love to get you on a clutch tour. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be perfect. That's just me. I might be a bit biased, but I, I think it would go rather well. All right, Matt Bacon, make it happen. I'm working on it. I, you know, I, I talk to these people. Who's doing 2022? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put this in my notebook, man. <laughs> I should put it in my diary. Oh, dear God. <laughs> what I wanted to kind of break down is like Gozu's sort of been on this trajectory, right? And the pandemic has sort of caused a fundamental shift in that. Do you think, given how everything's kind of been shaping with the new music, you're going to kind of have almost this taste of like pre and post pandemic Gozu as like two separate entities almost? Maybe, but but I, I think that there's always that interlocking you know, thing in, in all of our albums. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like we're going to turn into, you know, Cannibal Corpse. It's not a departure. It's just the next level. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an evolution, shall we say. How do you feel being involved in a scene as diverse as that in, you know, Massachusetts impacted you as, as an artist early on? You know, I, I think more of it is a lot of like growing up. So I grew up near Syracuse, New York, in, in Watertown, New York. So that definitely, you know, that, that's like heavy, like Allman Brothers, Skinner, Marshall Tucker, you know what I mean? Willie Nelson. Uh, and then like Iron Maiden, like Tigers of Pang Tang, you know what I mean? Uh, except, so all the dudes in, in that, you know, grew up in my neighborhood, you know, were, were significantly older than me. Like, I remember when 1984 came out, they were like synthesizers, like mm. done with this band, done with them. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, this is amazing. I was like, you know, and then obviously like ACDC and things like that. So that's where really I got like a taste of, of heavy music, especially I remember having like Life After Death and, and, and you know, my neighbor Jim Delash was a huge metalhead. So he would always, you know, like we play basketball and stuff and there'd always be tunes on, you know what I mean? In a boom box. So that really kind of opened me up to like the heavy stuff. And then, you know, in college, uh, you know, it, it, it was heavy, but then, you know, you have all like kind of the jam bands and things like that. Uh, and then, you know, Massachusetts, it's such, I mean, you know, there was a time you could go out seven nights a week and hear seven amazing bands, uh, you know, in, in all different genres. Um, so, you know, it, it's been one of those things where I kind of have, you know, taken everything that I enjoy listening to and try to put that, you know, in, in what I do. And the other guys do the same thing. But yeah, I mean, there was a time in Boston where it's just, you know, you, you okay, so you see Scissor Fight on a Friday, Saturday, you see Roadside, you know what I mean? And then Stompox is playing, you know, 
Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, it's just, there was a time there, man, when there was so many, in like, you know, the 90s, where there were so many amazing bands in this area. Blizzard Fight in the like early 2000s, I want to say, was just unbelievable. Yeah, and so, and I worked with Chris, so, so you know, so obviously, I mean, I worked at a school with him forever, so that's how, I mean, and I'm great friends with those guys. It's still with Jay and Jarvis. So, I mean, I would go to all those shows, and that's how I, like, met all those guys, was was from Chris, you know, one day just being like, hey, you want to come see my band? I didn't know, like, who they were. I just moved here from New York, and I remember going in and being like, oh, my Okay, <laughs> you know, he had the beard and the whole, and, uh, and and that really opened me up to like, I remember going to see them and be like, this is spectacular. Like, I got to do this, you know? You know, it's funny, you um, you referred to the Van Halen when they started adding keyboards. And um, I have a funny story because, so Valerie Bertinelli, who was married to Eddie Van Halen, um, is on the Food Network uh, on a different show, but we've worked together a few times. She's been a guest judge on Chopped, which is the show I'm, I'm on. And we've become, you know, she's she's super cool. She's like the coolest chick. And so we would talk, you know, when we were not shooting and whatnot. And she told me a story about how um, Eddie Van Halen would be, be like three o'clock in the morning and Eddie would be on the couch with this little tiny like Casio keyboard working out, working out jump. But he, he didn't tell her what he was doing. And so she'd come out of bed and be like, Eddie, put that toy away. We need to go to sleep. Stop. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Or Eddie, put that toy away and pick up your guitar. And he's like, little did I know he was writing the biggest song that they ever basically wrote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little Cassio. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you following? I know that you and I every now and then text back and forth about, um, fight, you know, MMA and boxing stuff. What's uh, I can't believe I'm bringing this into the podcast, but what's your take on the on the Paul brothers? Oh God, that's that that that's how we're going to start talking about fighting on this podcast. <laughs> I I thought Woodley was going to destroy him personally. I did too. I really did too. I mean, and so my son did too. I was a little bit like I was like, you got to be kidding me, right? I mean, you and I have talked. Like I've watched boxing since I was young because my father was way into it. I mean, my dad, you know, he saw like the you know the Duran. Uh, you know, um, Sugar Ray fight. And I was a huge Larry Holmes fan. I was a huge uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler fan. I mean, I still get angry when I think about that Sugar Ray fight. That was, Sugar Ray just ducked the whole time. He threw shots, but he never landed anything. Hagler was throwing heat, man. Like, you know, but the Paul thing is, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's, it bums me out, man. I mean, it's it, it, it bums me out in a couple, in some ways, but in other ways, he is providing a platform for the undercard for oh, totally. seen by a lot of more people than normally would. But, you know, he's walking around saying all this stuff. He hasn't even fought a boxer yet. He's fought. That's what I mean. Yeah. You know what they're building towards? They're building towards Jake Paul versus Conor McGregor. That's what that's what the totally. whole thing is. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's scripted like a. Yeah, as, as someone that has grown up, you know, and, and, and like, you know, has watched a lot of boxing, especially in person. And, you know, I, I think if they were to fight like a skilled boxer, they get destroyed. Yeah. At first, I hated it. I've come around to at least respect the, the work he's putting in, in the gym and, sure. and he's given the undercard fighters. But I am looking for him to get knocked the fuck out so we can move on. Yeah, me too. <laughs> just, I, you know, there, there's a level of arrogance, you know, that. I just think if they fought like like an actual boxer, you know, that that throws like a one three combination. Yeah, yeah, I I think, you know, you're going to get knocked out. And also, you know, like, you know, the the other one is fought, you know, fought Mayweather. I mean, 
talk about like a weight difference, a size difference. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it put it, you know what I mean? And I, I think Mayweather knocked him out and he held him up personally. Yeah, it looked, it looked that way. Kind of you know what I mean? But, but I think if these, you know, cats fought like against, you know, a, you know, someone their actual age that was, you know, an actual boxer, I, I think I think there'd be a, a different, you know, vernacular that they're using, you know what I mean? Especially the after fight. I mean, Askren, Askren, you know, had hip surgery, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. He, he looked in awful shape, you know, and the dude made a mill, like, yeah. you know, I, I, I get it. But like, put it this way, if, if I'm going to, for hip surgery, surgery, right, I want a hip surgeon doing it. I don't want a podiatrist, you know what I mean? So oh, it's right. the same thing with these cats, like they're fighting. I mean, what's next? They're going to fight, you know, some dude from Subway? Like, come on. <laughs> Maybe they'll fight Matt Bacon. Oh, God. Maybe. My, my, my one-liner to you about fighting is still my favorite one-liner I've ever delivered. Which was what? You asked me if I if I like any combat sports, and I said, I went to school in Paris and read poetry. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a no. That's funny. Uh, there um, was a really I, good look on your face where you were like, oh, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. I'd like to see you in a fight, though. I'd bail you out. Thanks, buddy. Well, we were gonna we were gonna box at some point. You were gonna teach me. We will. We will. We will. It'll happen. Uh, yeah, thank you for coming on, uh, sharing where Gozu is at. Um, you know, obviously we're biased because you're on our label, but we can't wait to hear the new material. We can't wait to see you live again. Really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing those things with us, and can't wait to see you in person. And we'll have you when when the record's about to come out. We'll have you uh, on here again to talk all about it. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Matt. And yeah, be safe, guys. Thank you, Jeff. Where can people find you and the band on social medias? Yep. So you can go on uh, Gozu666 on Facebook and also Gozu666 on Instagram. Very cool. And on Instagram, I'm just, yeah, it's just at Mark Gaffney. So feel free, anyone to ever hit me up. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Gaff. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there.